I want to begin with an announcement that we made last week, but I want to remind you of it every week until December 10th. We are going to have a community Christmas on December 10th, which is a Friday evening from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Our desire that night is that God would be glorified and our community would be unified. We're not trying to create a new Christmas tradition, but we are trying to minister to a community in need of hope on that evening. Over the next few weeks, you're going to see opportunities about December 10th for volunteer roles. We're going to need 150 to 200 people to um, be faith with action that evening. We'll need a few more coordinators for some specific roles. We're also going to need to borrow a few items from many of you on Christmas for that week. And we'll share that information with you next week and opportunities and ways for you to reach out to let us know we can borrow a few things for December 10th. So be on the lookout for those opportunities. Mark your calendar if you have not already. I also want to let you know, you're not going to be surprised by this, but we're going to be back in the book of James. And so in just a couple of minutes, uh, we're going to jump into chapter 3. And if you would like to get the study guide notes from today, then you can simply text the word James Guide to 94000 or go to richfork.com and beside the sermon tab, you can also click on the sermon guide for this week, week 7. Again, if you text the number James Guide or the word James Guide to 9400 a little bit later, we'll send that to you. And we're ready to get started. So let's pray together. God, be with us as we examine a section of the book of James that while different parts of the book of James thus far have impacted different pockets or groups or individuals, today's passage hits all of us. James even says that, that unless you're perfect, that this doesn't apply to you, and that's none of us. And so God, may we have hearts that are truly ready to listen to a profound, to a simple yet direct message from James. And may we see through James and a host of other scriptures the power of our words. That faith with action at times is with our hands and with our abilities, but many times faith with action takes place by our mouth with our words. Guide us as we walk through this examination of chapter 3. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, when we were much younger, we had a dog named Alex. He was a uh, yellow lab. And he got out of our yard a lot. At the time, we were living on Lake Road near Johnsontown Road, and we did not have a a fenced-in yard. So we thought, we'll install an underground fence. Well, Alex managed to get the collar off, and he ate the unit that goes around their necks. That's a different story. Then we put a running line in between two pine trees, and he destroyed that as well. And when he ran away, he went into swimming pools of the neighbors. He made friends with other people. But one time, unfortunately, and I know this makes me a bad pet owner, but one time he was picked up by Davidson County Animal Control. They took him to the animal shelter. I got a phone call and I later had to go get him out of dog jail and bring him home. 
Now, in case you're wondering and want to ask later, Alex finally went to live on a 100-acre farm in Kernersville, and he lived his best life without us. But it's never good when your pet gets retrieved by animal control, or as some might call them, a dog catcher. Their role is to return loose dogs to their owners or take them into the shelter until an owner can be notified. They also handle wild animals that need to be removed or chased back into the wild. That story leads me to this thought. What would it look like if we had a word catcher? Stay with me, a a vocabulary control unit in society. They would never be without business. You see, if words were visible objects and then the word catcher would corner a wild word running around and they would say, well, who let this word out? Oh, I bet that word, I've seen it before. It's the husband that lives around the corner who always unleashes that phrase against his wife. I bet she feels horrible today. Or they would turn the corner and they would see a phrase wildly running down the road. They'd wrestle it to the ground and they say, oh, this belongs to Miss Margaret. Sorry if your name's Margaret, but oh, this belongs to Miss Margaret. How do you know? Well, she's been slinging around this gossip line about our neighbor for years. And then if the word catcher police were real and if they had the ability to see words, it might have a day like this. There would be a special vocabulary unit and they would get a phone call calling all units. They would jump into their cars, drive the word catcher patrol car, and it would take them to the local ball field. And there they would find so many harsh, profane, demeaning words running around. They've got a call for backup and more backup. And they would spend the next two hours tracking down all the owners. And they would say, is this your word? And they would say, no, I don't use words like that. And you would say, well, are you sure? Because we brought this word back to you last week when we were here. The word catchers, according to James, will be busy 24-7, 365 days a year. And James says they would knock on every door some point and speak to every person, including me and you. The reality is that the tongue is the messenger that carries the words from our heart. Let's read our next section from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we teach, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. When we began this series in September, I warned you this message would be coming, but you're logged on and watching, so you might as well stick around. Let's step into these powerful words from James that can lead to life, freedom, and reconciliation in our relationships or death, shackles, and broken spirits in relationships. It's interesting to me that James prefaces his discussion on words by giving a very strong warning to teachers when he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with great strictness. I don't believe for a moment that James is saying across the board, don't become a teacher, but realize the weight of being a teacher of God's word, a leader, a small group leader. These are serious tasks, according to James. Teachers of God's word must be accountable for what we say and how we live our lives. Leadership comes with a price. As your teacher and shepherd on Sunday mornings, I realize the weight of moments, even such as these. I don't take them lightly. I trust that when I attempt to communicate God's word to you, that it, his word, has the power to deliver you unto life out of death, not because I've said it, but because God has given it to me to deliver to you and lead you into growth and maturity. But then James goes from focusing only on teachers of the Word of God to inviting us all into the party. He says for in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. He, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Also able to bridle his whole body. James echoes what all of Scripture repeats. Every one of us stumble. Every one of us at times will struggle with our speech, with our words. But we cannot forget the power of those words. Wherever you are, in whatever setting you are, I want to challenge you to read these words with me of these next few verses from Proverbs. Read along with me. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs 18.6 Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. One more from Proverbs. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 21.23 Did you hear it? Words? can keep us out of trouble? Words, isn't that a reminder that we each need every day? Words bring life or death. And the first proverb that we read says, 
our speech can invite a beating. Scripture knows and echoes what we know to be true. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words they will without a doubt hurt me, wound others, cause conflict, bring peace, bring healing, or deliver hurt. And I can say that without a doubt that all of us can grow in this area of our lives, growing towards life. James gives us some great examples of issues concerning the tongue. The first is direction. What we say charts our course. Verses three and four. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. My oldest son and youngest daughter have taken a few horseback riding lessons. Some recently, some quite a long time ago. My son took lessons when he was five or six. He's now 21. My daughter up until 2020. But think about how that works. A 40-pound little boy or a teenage girl can lead a 2,000-pound animal around a field. Now, prior to riding, though, a bit is placed into their mouth of the horse, this wonderful creature, but with reins attached and the right amount of pressure and pull, the horse follows the lead of the rider. If we don't understand that example from James, he gives us another one, a, a ship's rudder. Massive cruise ships and liners, these giant boats have a rudder that seems miniature. Or maybe it's cut for the wrong ship, but it's not, it's attached. And when the captain steers, it gives direction. James is trying to get us to understand something. Our tongue, our words, when they are spoken, although small in size, they direct a path. Our direction is often guided by our words. If you don't get those examples, maybe let me give you this one. An argument starts at work, school, or at home, and Midway through, you become a part of it and you make a statement. The statement is one which comes out of your mouth with no thought or real processing of the brain. It just pours out. The conversation in that moment is going to go in what direction? Downhill and fast. Direction given. Conversation or argument follows. Men, you're at home and someone asks you to do something. You're watching comfortably and you're sitting watching your game or your favorite show and you say, well, why don't you do it? Direction given, tongue used, course charted. I was amazed one time I had the opportunity to steer a 65-foot boat in the Atlantic Ocean one night from 2 to 5 a.m. Now again, that's another story for another sermon, but I was told Michael, keep the, the ship on the compass on 265 on the compass. I did my best. I stayed on 260 to 265, somewhere in that range. And about two or three hours later, we were dramatically off course. Two to three degrees, five degrees at the most, just a little bit off. But after a long time off course of going the wrong direction, the course was changed. 
Our words, according to James, have the power to lead the direction of conversations and relationships. What direction are your words leading your relationships? Parents, are your words leading to trust and opening doors or closing them? Coworkers, family, I could go on and on. What direction are your words charting? for your relationships. Our words chart a direction for every one of us. Our words also have the power of destruction and division. What we say can catch things on fire. Verse five through eight. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. For those of you who do not know the history of Rich Fork, the talk of fire is not popular around here due to the fact that um, one morning years ago, March 1st, 1986, the sanctuary, which existed and had grown for many years, burned to the ground. Some of you watching this remember that day. You remember the morning after years ago. But there's a more dangerous fire that can spark in any relationship and destroy any friendship, but also destroy a church, a life, a marriage, a home, a community, a small group that spark words, rumors, gossip spoken from our tongue. As your pastor, may I warn you, a physical fire can be overcome with a new building and a commitment to grow. Yet the damage which can come from our mouths can destroy a church, a relationship, a friendship, a family in ways which many times can never be overcome. When a spark starts and the fire consumes, what is left is ugly, burned, ash covered and dead sometimes taking decades to begin the process of growth. The tongue here is described as setting things ablaze, but also a deadly poison. Every, every time I see this and read this, I think of images that when my children were studying animals a long time ago, they were studying this little poisonous tree frog, centimeters in length, yet their skin, the skin, some estimate has the toxin to kill up to seven humans on one tiny frog. In South America, animals and children have passed away when water is poured over a leaf that is rubbed against one of the frogs. That is what I call deadly stuff. Deadly poison, James says. The words, the comments, the phrases, the jokes, the secrets divulged to friends and the dishonesty couple of questions before we look at how do we tame 
our hearts and our words. Do your words often lead to destruction and division? Or do your words often lead to life and unity? But here's the puzzling part. James says, no man can tame the tongue. Well, thanks, James. If we can't tame the tongue, then why are we having this discussion? How do we move from destruction and division and towards another direction with our words? James actually guides us and other scriptures alongside it on how to make better use of our words. Let's look at a few things. First, work on the root and experience change in the fruit. Focus on the heart. Change the words, therefore the actions. Verse 9 through 12. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, our tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James' example in verses 9 and 10 could be illustrated in many ways. And so he uses fresh or salt water coming from the same well, which is simply, as he says, it's impossible. But maybe the agricultural illustration doesn't resonate with us today. What about this? You are driving down I-85 in your car. Your cruise is locked on 74. You're speeding, but not to the point that you'll get pulled. Again, another discussion for another day, but I'm right there with you. You're singing your favorite Christmas worship song. I know it's early for some of you, but I wanted to think of a song that all of us might know. You're driving on the road and you're singing, Oh, come let us adore Him. And you're feeling the Christmas mood starting to come upon you. Someone cuts you off doing the infamous bob and weave, cutting in between you and 17 cars in the next 30 seconds, what comes out of your mouth next is not, oh, come let us adore Him. Rather, it's... Yeah, just use your imagination. James is confronting us and his examples all have something all have something in common that I want you to see. Can fresh and salt water come from the same source? No. Can a fruit tree produce anything other than the fruit that is planted at the root? No. Fig tree, figs. Orange trees, oranges. It's a question about the root, the source. Can a salt pond produce fresh water? No. James is leading us to examine far more than our words. He's leading us to an examination of the source, the heart. When Jesus addressed the struggles with the Pharisees, He doesn't tiptoe around His examination of their words. Instead, He says of them, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The prophet Jeremiah said, their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With his mouth, each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, 
he plans an ambush for him. Scripture also tells us, Proverbs, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The tongue is not what needs to be tamed. The heart must be changed. I'm so glad to be able to say to you that if you have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ, then you have what it takes for a change. You have the power of God living within you Paul said this to the church of Corinth, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We're a new creation. What comes with a new creation? A new heart. But make no mistake about it. A new heart must continue ongoing to mature and grow towards life. Here are some verses for you to consider, to memorize to commit to a changed heart. If we want to take our thoughts captive, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 and 6, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when obedience is complete. If we want to discuss the renewal of our mind, Paul addresses this, and the psalmist does as well. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Psalm 119 says, I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. What are you putting into your heart, your soul, and your mind that will impact the output of your mouth? What are you putting into your heart, your soul, and your mind that will impact the output of your mouth? your words. Once the heart is being changed, how do we begin to make daily progress in the taming of the tongue, of the heart? One of the things we can do is commit to a new vocabulary. If we have a changed root, the heart, then we can begin to have different fruit. Paul again in Ephesians says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. If I were to ask you today if you could go 24 hours, or if I were to ask me today if I could go 24 hours without social media or Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever else is out there, if the answer is no, then you might say I have an addiction. You may agree with that or not, but if you did, you might also believe that maybe you should change some habits in your heart in order to surrender that habit. But what about when it comes to our words? If I were to ask you today, if I were to examine, and I am, myself today, do you believe you can go 24 hours without speaking negatively, harshly, profanely, unkindly, derogatory, 
a spirit of gossip about someone else or even directed at yourself, you might laugh and say, well, pastor, that's just impossible. Then you might, maybe, if you're really locked in with James, you might say that you and I are addicted to negativity out of our mouths, which is from our hearts. James has already given us two verses to address this that we've already spoken about in previous weeks. Listen, stop, then speak. James, 19, James 1, 19 to 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Listen, stop, then speak. This means there are many moments that we have to stop and measure our responses. We think through them in difficult situations. We pause, we weigh our words. Knowing that according to James and what we already know, they have the power to heal or hurt, unite or divide, bring death or life. But the other powerful way to address our heart and our words, to address the root and the fruit, pray for God's help often and repeatedly. The psalmist says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It's a prayer. David made this statement, Don't just make this quick little prayer, God help me, but be honest. God, help me. My mouth gets me in trouble every day with this person at the office. Calm me, slow my speech. Cover my mouth, guard my mouth. Watch over the doors of my lips. Maybe another prayer would be this. God, I have a problem with gossip and speaking ill of others. Tame and change my heart because you are in me and a part of me and I don't want to hurt anyone else. Or maybe it would say this, if we're honest in our prayers, God, you've made me a new creation. You've given me a new heart, a new mouth, a new voice. I have a bad vocabulary consisting of a lot of four-letter words that come out in anger. And I simply don't want those to chart my course any longer. God, I've spoken words of division for far too long. Help me measure my words. Convict me through your Holy Spirit. Teach me to be quick to apologize. Constant in speaking words of life, lifting up and not tearing down. The tongue is really the condition of the heart. It can destroy, can direct, and kill. But it is designed for so much more. May I read this one more passage of Scripture for today? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My words, my tongue, more importantly, my heart were all designed for the worship and the praise and the glory of God.
Today may we know the God who offered Christ to give us new life can give us a new heart and a new vocabulary that leads to life, healing, and grace. Would you pray with me today? God, I love the simple illustrations that James gives, the multiple analogies that he gives us that again are simple, direct, and to the point. But if we are all who are watching or listening are honest, we would have to agree with James that none of us is perfectly mature. We have room for growth. Therefore, All of us must examine our words, our hearts, and continually pour into our hearts scriptures, relationships that build up, not tear down. I pray that there are some homes that can be transformed with a transformed heart and changed vocabulary. I pray that there are some parents listening that learn the power of the phrase, I'm sorry, that can rebuild trust with their children. I pray that the spirit of gossip would be squelched in certain relationships that would just stop causing division. I pray for other churches, God, that there may be those that attend another church that are watching. And I pray that we would see how important this is in the life of a church. That it only takes a spark to burn down the house. So God, allow your word to infiltrate our heart. Thank you for James and his honest addressing of something that existed then as it does now. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was finishing up our sermon content for this week, I was reading and rereading and getting ready to, to do what I'm doing for you right now. This question came to my heart. We often think of our gifts and our abilities and our resources, whether we're a good teacher or a good vocalist or a good singer or uh, you're a hard worker in your job. But have you ever considered that of all the gifts, all the abilities, all the resources that God has given to every single one of us, that the one resource that God has given all of us that is more powerful than all of those, that is used every single day, the resource that God has given each of us that can truly shape our community, one way or the other, is our mouth our words. May we examine our words and ask God to change the root, our heart, so that we can pour forth the fruit that brings healing life to those around us. Thank you so much for joining us again.